And now, back to life, liberty, and the pursuit of holiness with your hosts on Here I Stand. And welcome to Here I Stand. I'm Pastor Calvin Lindstrom, joined as always by Pastor James Pittman and uh, Pastor John Kirkwood, and we're very happy to have with us a special guest. It's been a little while since we had a guest and one so esteemed. We have with us Dr. Steve Austin. And for all of our listeners, Dr. Austin will be in the Chicagoland area uh, in just a little over a week. It is Saturday, September 23rd. He will be at Trinity International University for a conference, an all-day conference on the subject of creation. He's joined by two other wonderful speakers, but I hope you would also come out to hear Dr. Uh, Dr. Austin. And then on Sunday morning, Sunday, uh, September 24th, he will be at Grace Gospel Fellowship in Bensonville. And Sunday evening, 7 p.m., he will be at uh, the Church of Christian Liberty in Arlington Heights, Illinois. So if you don't get enough of Dr. Austin on Saturday, come and join us for the different services on Sunday. So welcome, Dr. Austin. Good to be with you. Do you want to uh, just give uh, our hearers and viewers some background on who you are, what you do, and why you do it? Well, I'm a, I'm a geologist by training, and uh, ever since uh, I was five years old, my mother noted my fascination with mud, and then <laughs> it became rocks. Uh, and uh, when I was 10 years old, I was on television when I... Uh, uh, graduated from high school. I had an NSF stipend uh, at, a, at Colorado University. And then uh, I went into uh, graduate studies uh, looking uh, into the evidence of catastrophic process in geology. I've been on six of the seven continents of the world. I've landed by helicopter on glaciers in, in, uh, in Alaska. I've been to the top of uh, Mount Kilimanjaro uh, in Africa. I've done uh, uh, amazing uh, things in swamps in uh, Australia. Been on scuba to the Great Barrier Reef. I've done uh, some of the deepest coal mines. And uh, I've uh, done archaeological investigations in Israel. My current projects are in Jordan and Israel where I'm working on Dead Sea mud. And wow. mud is my, uh, uh, my fascination. And of course, Grand Canyon was a whole bunch of mud, still is, but uh, you know, and uh, so I've spent uh, uh, 400 nights camped out below the rim of Grand Canyon. Wow. In other words, camping in Grand Canyon. Uh, it's a one year of my life, over one year. and. Uh, done uh, 25 raft trips through Grand Canyon and Yellowstone. I love uh, Yellowstone. So geologists have a tendency not to live anywhere. I decided I'd live somewhere. So I'm, I'm living in Pittsburgh right now and enjoying it okay. and, uh, and, and uh, doing some conferences. And this, I'm looking forward to the Creation Truth Conference and speaking with your church on Sunday. Amen. Doctor, if I can uh, butt in here, you, you, you mentioned the Grand Canyon, and uh, can you tell us, uh, is that going to be one of the subjects you speak at at Trinity? Can you tell us what you're going to be speaking on at the Trinity Conference? Uh, I don't know what the breakout sessions have me talking about, but, mm -hmm. I'm, 
when I'm talking about uh, creation and the flood and the timeline of Scripture and the timeline of Scripture. So, so creation, fall, flood, the uh, Tower of Babel, dispersion of peoples, and then the following, uh, the, the nation of Israel. And uh, that's, the, uh, that's the time frame I'm talking about. And putting things like dinosaurs, glaciers, that type of thing, mm-hmm. into the, the, uh, the, the time frame. And, of course, uh, things like uh, the Grand Canyon and uh, Yellowstone, that type of thing. So one of the criticisms of biblical archaeology, and I I suppose we can insert it uh, here for this question, is that Christians go into archaeology with presuppositions trying to find evidence of what they already believe. When you are dismissed that way by secular skeptics, what is your answer to them? That that you've got, um, you're trying to prove something uh, after the fact. Well, my, all my credentials and training is in science, and uh, I'm a professor of science. That's what I do for a living, okay? And, uh, but I'm also a Christian, and I understand the uh, framework of Scripture, and I believe in the integrity of Scripture. So uh, there's a framework uh, that guides my thinking. And um, what I do is I compare uh, biblical ways of thinking about Genesis being a historic narrative with ideas that Genesis is not a historic narrative. So I'm an expert on presuppositional frameworks for interpreting earth history, essentially. And uh, so uh, if, you, uh, uh, if, if, if you have training in that, that's what, you're, that's what you do. So that's, that's what I do for a living. Um, for example, earthquakes of the Bible. Um, all my uh, favorite earthquakes of the Bible, uh, I'm expert at, right? And so I'm doing uh, work on the earthquakes of the Bible in Dead Sea mud. And so my apologetics, if you want to call it that, is uh, my science research as it impacts Bible. Hmm. I'm a geologist, not an archaeologist, but I work with archaeologists doing, uh, 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 doing projects like this. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned My your favorite project is Dead Sea Mud. Mm-hmm. You mentioned your favorite earthquakes in the Bible. I think people might be stunned to find out there was more than uh, as, as simply uh, a, a couple of them. What, what? How do you put those into order? And um, what would you what would you qu- qualify the earthquake, for example, in Philippi that seemed to be quite tactical? in um, not hurting anyone, but uh, opening the, the cell doors and, and destroying the prison. How, how do you differentiate that from something like the earthquake at the crucifixion? Yeah, uh, well, earthquakes of the Bible, uh, I think there are primary seven that, that, uh, that I talk about. Creation, the, the earthquake during the flood, the earthquake during uh, the... Uh, um, uh, Sodom, Gomorrah, the earthquake during the uh, uh, Sinai and the experience with the giving of the law, earthquake in the times of kings, earthquake at the cross, earthquake at the empty tomb. And then I have one other earthquake, a future earthquake, I think needs to be talked about. That's the earthquake at the, uh, 
uh, uh, return of Christ. I call it Messiah's earthquake or Armageddon earthquake or whatever you want to call that. Hmm. The, and that one you're, you're suggesting the splitting of the Mount of Olives. Is, is that the one you're talking about? That's right. And okay. there are probably four or five earthquakes associated with the return of Christ. Yeah. So uh, I hate to dominate this conversation. So James, please jump in or Kelvin, please jump in when you will. This is a fascinating uh, um, topic to me. Uh, you mentioned the Grand Canyon, which which I think there's a lot of controversy about when it comes to um, people who have a creation uh, perspective. But how important how important was what happened at Mount St. Helens um, in your discussions of what what you believe formed the Grand Canyon? Well, I think Mount St. Helens is a living laboratory to help us understand and interpret places like Grand Canyon, uh, major geologic features. Uh, rapid erosion at Mount St. Helens, rapid strata formation at Mount St. Helens, rapid burial of petrified logs, uh, rapid uh, formation of a peat deposit that might help us understand origin of coal, a rapid recovery of the ecosystem. And that might help us understand how animals were dispersed widely after the global flood. And so Mount St. Helens helps us understand a number of geologic features, for me, especially Grand Canyon, because uh, Grand Canyon is similar in many respects to uh, Mount St. Helens. Mount St. Helens is a breach dam with mud flow. Uh, I think Grand Canyon was a breach dam with a giant lake after the flood it breached. Um, almost all geologists now are jettisoning the idea that Colorado River formed Grand Canyon over tens of millions of years. It's kind of passe among geologists. We, we geologists uh, can recognize uh, that the Colorado River is not the cause of the erosion of Grand Canyon. Something else eroded Grand Canyon. Mm -hmm. So the Flintstones are wrong on that. Uh, yeah. Okay. And, <laughs> and uh, the, uh, the Grand Canyon has a whole bunch of marine fossils, so it looks like the ocean was over the continent. Mm -hmm. And what nicer explanation do we have than a global flood? Uh, ocean flood over the continent. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, Grand Canyon and Mount St. Helens, um, those are related in my, uh, my mind. I think I, I look at Mount St. Helens as kind of the Rosetta Stone of geology. It helps us understand so many things. It's, it's the pathway to understanding, essentially. Doctor, to follow up on what you just said there, the Rosetta Stone, I, I love the language you just used there, but I, and I know creation, uh, or at least people who believe in intelligent design and, 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 and creation, um, were excited about what Mount St. Helens uh, has taught us and has demonstrated. But what, what, what does the secular, um, the, the atheistic geologist, um, do with Mount St. Helens? Uh, do, do they just ignore it? Okay, well, Mount St. Helens uh, is a learning experience in geology. Uh, volcanology before 1980, when it erupted, um, was different than volcanology afterwards. It, it was 
a, a very graphic learning experience. And nobody trivializes Mount St. Helens. Okay. okay. It, it shouldn't be trivialized. But uh, what we can do is apply it uh, maybe more directly than some people suggest. Okay. And uh, that's why I uh, want to, because I'm a catastrophist in my way of thinking about how the earth formed, Mount St. Helens becomes fascinating to me. It's a laboratory uh, for understanding uh, fast and rapid process. Other geologists specialize in slow process and they imagine geologic ages where slow and gradual process make geologic features. Um, but I'm specialized in the other uh, mode. I like catastrophic process geology. And so the things I see, I can explain um, by many of the geologic and catastrophic processes I see, at, like at Mount St. Helens. I think we're going to take a short break with that answer, and we'll come back with Dr. Steve Austin uh, on the other side. Be patient, folks. We'll be right back. Judge for yourselves whether we ought to obey God or men. Here I stand. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And now back to Here I Stand. And welcome back to Here I Stand. We're blessed to have with us Dr. Steve Austin. And we uh, talked about some of his uh, background. Uh, Dr. Austin did uh, his grad studies at Penn State University, a fine uh, institution. And uh, one of the questions I had, and, and we discussed briefly in the break, and he's going to discuss in, in greater detail, was how was his research in catastrophism received at an institution that generally would not embrace such a worldview in, uh, in geology or the earth sciences? So, Dr. Austin, do you want to comment on how you're what was your PhD thesis involving, and then how was it, how was it uh, received? I did my PhD dissertation on a coal bed in Kentucky. Okay. And uh, after about four years of research on the coal layer of Kentucky, I proposed that it formed underneath a floating log mat uh, as, a, as kind of an abstract thought. Uh, I was playing with soap suds in the bathtub, imagining how plant material might accumulate to make a coal bed. And uh, that was the beginning of my floating log mat model for the origin of coal. When I wrote my thesis, the professor wanted me to consider the alternate view, which was the pretty much the, uh, uh, the inside the box way of thinking. That was the standard view that coal formed in large freshwater swamps over long periods of time. A thousand years per inch, plant material accumulates slowly in swamps. I pretty much disproved that my, to my professor's uh, thinking. He congratulated me on uh, demonstrating that's a wrong theory, but he said, you can't turn in a thesis refuting a theory you need to come up with an alternate theory. And uh, so that's when I had the floating log mat idea for the origin of coal. And that's what I defended my PhD dissertation on. Hmm. Uh, it would, I would call it tolerance 
my outside-the-box way of thinking about coal was tolerated, okay? And then what happened 10 months after I defended my PhD dissertation? Mount St. Helens exploded and made a living modern example of a floating log mat. Hmm. A million logs were floating on Spirit Lake north of hmm. the volcano. And then I had to go diving to see what was going on there. And, and in that period of time, that's when people started encouraging me. They said, okay, your idea has some merit. Okay, and let's hear about it. And uh, so that um, what could be tolerated just barely then became encouraged. And uh, encouragement from various people. And, and uh, now some of my old professors say even what uh, – that I've done is I've benefited the field of knowledge hmm. by adding uh, a, an, another, another way of thinking about hmm. things. That's, that's fascinating. So that's, uh, so an outside the box thinker can prove um, that you, uh, work has value and then uh, demonstrate uh, some applications. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your God in heaven. That's mm -hmm. the that's the principle from Scripture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dr. Austin, um, you're going to be uh, speaking here, as Calvin mentioned in the previous segment, at Trinity International University on, on the 23rd. And uh, uh, we're, we're pleased to have you as a guest speaker on the 24th at Grace Gospel Fellowship, where, where you're going to be talking about the geological events um, surrounding the crucifixion. Uh, can you talk to us a bit about that? Okay. Um, it's a current research project that I'm doing. Hmm. I'm doing work on Dead Sea sediment as it relates to uh, 33 AD. But Jesus died on the cross April 3, 33 AD. According to the text of Matthew, there was a big earthquake. There was the darkening of the sun. The sun started lighting up as Jesus died. The earth shook when Jesus died. The temple veil was torn. Mm -hmm. There were uh, large tombstones that rolled, uh, evidently during the earthquake. And um, then there, and rocks cracked, and of course, uh, there was a lunar eclipse simultaneous with uh, a partial lunar eclipse as Jesus died. And as Passover began, uh, the moon rose like, like blood, red. And so that left uh, an indelible, um, what? Um, sign. So, uh, sign or wonder associated with the, the, the death of Christ. So I, I think of, of, of five signs associated with the sixth sign, the death of Christ, or wonders, as uh, that happened. I'm an expert on the earthquake. That's the, the one uh, that I'm working on with, with Dead Sea sediment. <laughs> in, the, in the sediment layers of the Dead Sea, there are many stirred-up layers caused by earthquakes. And because <laughs> animals and don't burrow in the bottom of the lake, the very thinly laminated sediment shows the earthquake sequence through the last 4,000 years. Hmm. And so I'm, I'm looking at all of the earthquakes in the last 
4,000 years of, of, uh, of big enough magnitude to, to get people's notice. And, I'm, and then uh, I'm thinking about the earthquakes of the Bible. The one, 33 AD, plus or minus three to five years, something like that. It's a magnitude five earthquake, probably centered around Jerusalem. Mm. And uh, it would have sounded like a cannon going off. Mm. I've been on the epicenter of an earthquake twice. When, uh, when an earthquake mm. occurs uh, and you're on the epicenter, all the waves hit you at once. Mm. And so the, the earthquake... Uh, sounded like a cannon. Then you feel the vib- They felt the vibration, and they heard the earthquake leave. The straining of the ground and audio effects like helicopter blades. Whoop 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 whoop. When you're on an epic, I've been on the epicenter of an earthquake twice during my life. Believe it or not. Huh. Uh, yeah, and that, it, it's it's very unusual effects. And of course, I can appreciate what Matthew says. Uh, associated with the death of Christ. When the centurion and those that were with him saw the earthquake and the things that were done, they said, truly, this man was the Son of God. Mm-hmm. And so there's this uh, um, this rather startling event, and then uh, an earth, obviously appreciated to be an earthquake eventually, and then uh, and a magnitude 5 earthquake, doesn't topple many buildings, but it does uh, uh, roll roll tombstones. Mm. Okay, and so uh, it, uh, it 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 could even have broken the uh, the structure of the temple and caused the temple veil to be torn. That type of mm. thing. So uh, it's fun to talk about uh, the the signs or wonders when Christ died, mm-hmm. and that authenticates him. In his, in his ministry. Mm-hmm. God both speaks and acts in history. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. That's the cool thing. God both speaks and acts in history. God is not like the Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. You know, the Wizard of Oz could pull a few levers and make a bunch of sounds, but he couldn't cause anything to happen uh, uh, directly. And, uh, but, but when Christ died on the cross, there were all these wonders that were in sequence. Is, is your um, expertise in this study um, central around the, the Dead Sea sediment, or have you found other places where this earthquake is spoken of? Did, did we lose the doctor there? Can you hear me? Dr. Austin. Um, It's solely in, in the book of Matthew. Okay. Matthew and uh, Matthew twenty seven fifty one, where the earthquake is at the cross is mentioned. Mm-hmm. There's another earthquake at the tomb when, mm-hmm. and you know, no, uh, uh, no human agency moved the stone, mm-hmm. removed the stone from the tomb of Christ. It was the earthquake in the presence of the angel that moved the stone, mm-hmm. and uh, so, um, and I'm specialized not in looking at historical sources, but, but reading earthquakes uh, and their imprint on sediment. And I can see the sediment layers uh, in the Dead Sea. There's a thin layer about, uh, oh, half an inch thick in, uh, uh, across the Dead Sea that's the stirred up sediment on the bottom 
when Jesus died on the cross, I believe. And when you mention that, Doctor, you, you believe it happened in, in 33 AD, but then you, you threw out a plus or minus five years. Is, is that a reading you're getting from the Dead Sea, or how did you come upon that? Right. Uh, I, I think I might be a little bit uh, uncertain about the exact date of the layer in the, of the mud of the Dead Sea plus or minus three to five years, which um, the only earthquake during the, the time of uh, Pilate that's mentioned in the Bible, 11 year period is the earthquake, you know, that uh, at the cross. So, uh, and the earthquake at the tomb and the earthquake uh, in Acts chapter four. So there's a, there's an earthquake and a series of aftershocks. That's the way I would look at it. Uh, and of course, uh, tombstones were moved, rocks were cracked, uh, and then uh, it, it it left the layer. Um, if the darkness was caused by atmospheric dust, I might be able to find that in the sediment layers in the Dead Sea. Mm. You know, with, associated with the earthquake disturbed layer, might be able to find that. That's a that's a possible. Thing I'm working on. So that's the kind of science I'm doing. Hmm. And so you, you believe you can see evidence of these four earthquakes in the Dead Sea sediments? Yes. Wow, that's fascinating. Uh, I can't see the earthquake at the cross and distinguish it from the earthquake at the tomb or the earthquake in Acts so. chapter 4, but they're, they're, they're all overlap each other. But then, of course, the uh, the earthquakes associated with uh, the, the the biblical text, I think I can find in the ones in in Jerusalem area. Well, fascinating. What permission did you have to get to do your investigations at the Dead Sea? Well, a lot of the cores are available for public study, and uh, I'm working on the gullies southwest of the Dead Sea in Wadi Zellum area, near Masada, uh, that area, and uh, they're open to the public. Uh, Israel is zoned for nature walks and uh, archery practice, or whatever you want to say. It, it, it's available, very easy to, to look. And so geologists just wander around looking at what they see. And uh, fortunately, the lake levels down, and so the gullies have cut through the last 4,000 years of sediment layers, and they're exposed for view. Hmm. So that makes it very interesting for study. Folks, this is Here I Stand Radio. You're listening to Dr. Steve Lawson, one of the foremost uh, uh, Christian geologists, uh, specialty uh, in earthquakes around the crucifixion. We'll be right back after this break. Stay with us. You're listening to Here I Stand, a ministry of the Christian Emergency League. Wherefore, I take you to record this day, that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And now, back to Here I Stand. 
And welcome back to Here I Stand. This is our, our final segment, and uh, we're going to begin this segment by talking about the excellent film, Is Genesis History? And if you watch that film, it, it's a blessing to watch it. You will see Dr. Austin uh, open that film. and uh, In the Grand it, Canyon, right? Yeah. In, uh, well, it starts at Mount St. Helens, I believe. Oh, okay. And it moves, I think, out to uh, the Grand Canyon. So, uh uh, Dr. Austin, do you want to talk a little bit about that film? Dr. Del Tackett, I think, was uh, part of the, the creative genius behind that. But as a, as a creation film, it was outstanding. Well, I'm glad to hear that you liked it. Um, yeah. It was fun to make it. Um, here's what uh, the producer came to me one day and said, hey, I want to make a movie on his Genesis history. And I said, oh, no, you're going to bring a film crew into my office. I'm going to have some books in the background, yeah. and you're going to tell me to read a teleprompter, right? Yeah. And uh, then I, I said, no, you gotta, you got to completely ditch that idea. And the, the producer was completely uh, in favor of what I proposed. I'm oh. not saying I take credit for it, but let the scientists speak their own make it almost unscripted. Yeah. You know what an unscripted uh, movie would be like? Yeah. You know, it's, an, it's a documentary. And uh, so it, it was largely unscripted. Uh, Dell had some questions to ask, Dr. Dell Tackett. Mm -hmm. He was kind of the host. Yeah. And that, that drew things together. And it was kind of a journey that yeah. he took uh, meeting specialists mm -hmm. and uh, – it, we, we started at Mount St. Helens and it was going to do an interview with Dell and Dell got the idea. Why don't I just muse to myself what I'm seeing in the landscape of Mount St. Helens and then uh, imagine millions of years and then, but contradict it when uh, I come up and show you all of this happened since I was born in my lifetime, you know, that kind of, so it was, uh, it was a power statement that began the movie, and then the then the the documentary got going with the experts talking on their own subjects, mm -hmm. and it was unscripted, and they were they they were they communicated very well. In other words, the the the, 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 they, the specialists communicated their field and how it related, and they they did a good job. Mm -hmm. So it was excellent. So, so, Dr. Austin, from a ge geologist's um, perspective, what, what's the top, I guess, the top reason that you can have confidence that Genesis is actual history? Hmm. Did, I'm sorry, did you hear me? Well, um, I think what the New Testament does. Yeah, I hear you. Okay. Um, what the New Testament does with the Old Testament and especially Genesis, it accepts it as history. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, From Jesus and the <clears throat> apostles, uh, the disciples took Genesis mm -hmm. as history, and that's normative for me, a Christian. Sure. And so uh, that's what I believe. Sure. And, uh, you know, Second Peter chapter 3 says, do not be led astray with the error of unprincipled men and lose your own steadfastness. Mm -hmm. Second Peter three, seventeen, mm -hmm. um, and the error of the un, unprincipled man is described in Second Peter three. It's leaving out creation and the flood, mm -hmm. and so uh, 
when you bring creation and the flood back into the study of Genesis as narrative, it becomes wonderfully confirmed, I believe. That's, that's what the documentary movie is Genesis History does. What sort of feedback have you gotten from viewers on that film? I think it was 143,000 uh, saw it the first day it was in theaters. Wow. And, uh, it was uh, um, word of mouth, but it was widely viewed. And then they, they because, of, because it was so popular and people could not see it, they wanted to see it in theaters, they held it over for two more days. It was in March, uh, February and March, uh, 2017. It was in theaters, and then, um, but it, 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 it was well received, and and uh, what what I think it did is it allowed a positive uh, explanation of Genesis as history to be talked about uh, comfortably. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. uh, Genesis is. Uh, a, a firing uh, point for skeptics. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, you know we just need to talk affirmatively about it. And uh, so it's uh, Genesis is history, uh, creation and the flood and the fall, mm-hmm. the uh, the early uh, history of the human race, right there in uh, uh, in Genesis as as historic narrative and and. Uh, don't need to apologize for it. It's uh, that, that that's that's what the New Testament presupposes, and uh, Christ uh, taught. And so uh, I need to order my life around that uh, that thinking pattern. I don't need to be led astray by the error of the unprincipled men, the slow and gradual process geology that uh, that that I've uh, been immersed in through my education. Dr. Austin, um, is ge- I, I, don't, I don't believe geology is as extreme as um, the scientists in biology are as far as, you know, their view of um, long ages and Dar- Darwinism and so forth. But it, what, what percentage do you believe of geologists um, are catastrophists like you or um, believe in, in the long ages, so the, the Colorado River thing? Well, I, I think there's a lot of geologists who are ready to appropriate this catastrophic way of thinking into geology. Uh, it's um, been swept under the rug for so long because of what? Darwinism. Survival of the fittest and Darwinism uh, wouldn't work with this doctrine that I'm proposing or that many of my colleagues are proposing. That's the you know, the idea that it's survival of the luckiest, not survival of the fittest. When natural disasters take over global flood, uh, that's a different doctrine than, than Darwin. And uh, so uh, the, the, there are people that feel comfortable about talking about that. Um, there is still a, a current way of thinking about millions and even billions of years in geology that's kind of taken hold, but uh, it's nice to see somebody like me being tolerated and mm-hmm. now encouraged to uh, uh, take 
a different view. Think outside the box. Would you account for that? Would you account for most of that maybe reception being a result of the Mount St. Helens and what, what it's taught us about catastrophe? Yeah. Mount St. Helens and everything uh, in geology has slightly changed because of this impact of catastrophic process geology. Hmm. Um, let me think. Uh, Lake Missoula flood in Montana unleashed 500 cubic miles of water on eastern Washington state, made the Grand Coulee and the Channel scablands. Uh, that's recognized by geologists. Uh, there apparently is some type of catastro catastrophic process associated with the demise of dinosaurs. Dinosaurs, you would think, uh, would be explained by evolution. No, they're, they're killed off by catastrophe. Hmm. And uh, so it's uh, it's global extinction event. Uh, some people believe a giant asteroid collided with Mexico, mm -hmm. created uh, the the demise of the dinosaurs. I could, and and so uh, geology is uh, and and now thinking about canyons as being eroded catastrophically, like Grand Canyon. Uh, most geologists are. Had jettisoned the idea of the Colorado River eroded Grand Canyon. So uh, geologists are going to other, other ways of thinking. And uh, so they're, they're, uh, they're thinking in a way that allows catastrophic process and even a global flood to be something to talk about. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, that's encouraging to me. Although it's still unpopular to, to, to believe in a global flood in a recent creation among geologists, it would be uh, looked on as a little bit uh, marginal fringe, but still uh, uh, there, there are a lot of things in geology being questioned now. Uh, and that, that's, uh, that's exciting to me. Well, friends, this, this is uh, Dr. Steve Austin. You can hear him in a little over a week's time on the, on the 23rd at Trinity University university for a conference there and of course on the 24th at both grace gospel fellowship in the morning 9 30 and in sunday evening at the church of christian liberty in arlington heights dr austin if people want to follow up with you or maybe uh look at some of the work you've done outside of uh his genesis history uh as preparation for this um this upcoming uh the, these upcoming local events where can they find you on the internet? What would you recommend? Uh, LogosResearchAssociates.org. Logos, L-O-G-O-S, ResearchAssociates.org. Hmm. Uh, that's uh, the organization I do my research through. Okay. LogosResearchAssociates.org would be the way to find out about my field trips. Uh, I do have a lady who keeps track of me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm out uh, researching or out in the field a lot. And uh, uh, creationadventures.com mm -hmm. is a website where sometimes I, I post my uh, uh, public adventures that I'm doing, like raft trips through Grand Canyon, trips to Mount St. Helens, that type of thing. Do you take tours there, uh, Doctor? Yes, uh, tours at Mount St. Helens. Uh, just last week, I did a, a field trip at uh, Garden of the Gods in uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Mm. 
Mount St. Helens, I take, uh, I, I do a nine mile hike uh, through Mount St. Helens into the, into the blast zone, that type of thing. I do teaching events. And of course, my students, I teach at Cedarville University. So I take my students into the field uh, a lot. So we're going to be out at Death Valley Way next uh, March. And so I, that's how I keep, keep track of what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, yeah. And to register for the conference, uh, I think the best way is to go to midwestcreationfellowship.org. Midwestcreationfellowship.org. And you can uh, find the, the link to the conference. But I, I believe they are the ones hosting this conference. Isn't that correct, Dr. Austin? That's right. Yeah. So they, they are a, the local creation organization in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. They have events in Lindenhurst and Carroll Stream on a regular basis. In fact, they had uh, one of your uh, fellow scientists on Is Genesis History, Dr. Paul Nelson, this past week. I would have loved to have heard Dr. Paul Nelson. But uh, check out MidwestCreationFellowship.org and uh, come out to the conference or to Grace Gospel Fellowship Bensonville. John, what time is that service? 9.30. And nine, uh, Dr. Austin will begin at 9.45. Okay. So 9.30 in Bensonville. And that's right off of Route 83. And then in Arlington Heights at 502 West Euclid Avenue in Arlington Heights at 7 p.m. to hear Dr. Austin uh, address uh, his, his specialties on, on earthquakes and scripture. So Stay tuned, listeners. We hope to be back next week with another great uh, podcast. Uh, Stand firm in the faith.